What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Stoop Life Podcast. If today is your first time listening, I want to say welcome. We're glad to have you guys here. Obviously, we are a sports podcast. We talk all different sports. That means we even talk to you guys about tennis. We talk to you about soccer. We talk to you about baseball. All of it. But right now, our priority is football. Football's back. NFL Week 1 started this week. Today, today's Monday. I'm making a podcast on Monday. We got one game left. We got Denver at Seattle. But we all know what Monday means in the NFL world and the podcast world. Overreaction Monday. And let me tell you guys something. I have a whole list of overreactions and, and hot takes that I could have on here. But I want to keep it a shorter episode. I don't want to be talking to you guys for, for six hours just off of the fucking cowgirls and how they suck. But we'll leave that for later. So if you're a cowboy, cowboy fan, I'm sorry. I have Dak Prescott on my one fantasy team. I got ripped for it being an Eagles fan. And uh, week one, it already paid div- dividends uh, for why I shouldn't have made that pick. I needed five points to win, and he got me four. My man couldn't even get five points for me to win. He got me four point, like four because it's a decimal league. Uh, and I lost. I lost my fantasy week one because of a cowgirl. So my hate for the Cowboys and the Cowgirls is even deeper right now. So, so I already feeling it. I already feeling Monday football. Already loving it. But we got we got some overreactions to you guys. We're going to break down a couple of them. And then we're going to talk about a couple of these games more. Now, I got 10, 10 hot topics I like here. We're going to talk about them first real quick. And then we're going to go into each individual game. So my number one reaction for week one of NFL is, is what everybody else is thinking myself. Josh Allen on Thursday night showed exactly why the Buffalo Bills are favored to win the title. A lot of you out there were questioning what's up with the Bills. Why are they so highly rated? They showed why. They went into LA and they blew the top off of the defending champions. So Josh Allen is the real deal. He didn't have the best week at quarterback as everybody else did though. He wasn't even top five in passing yards. But the way that he won, the way that he, he drove that team to victory showed that the Bills are the favorite to win for a reason. After week one, Bills are the favorite. Lock it in right now. Number two, I want to I remind everybody that Jonathan Taylor's year last year was not a fluke. My man ran for 161 yards today on Sunday. 31 carries, 161 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. Wasn't the best carries in the league, average. Wasn't the most yards, almost. Saquon beat him out. But JT reminded everybody that last year was not a fluke. And that if you drafted him number one in your fantasy football league, don't sweat it. He's the real deal. He's going to be that good this year again. My number three is actually actually Minnesota. A lot of people were questioning. uh, They are talking about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about that. But Minnesota's offense is legit. A lot of people question, is Kirk Cousins actually that guy? Listen, if you look up Kirk Cousins' numbers throughout his career, specifically in Minnesota, phenomenal. Justin Jefferson's a goddamn cheat code. The guy can't be guarded. They were running zone on him. They were running man on him. Didn't matter. He got open. Dude's a cheat code. He's unbelievable. He's open. He, they're lethal. Minnesota's the real deal. Now, this week... Minnesota and Philly play right here. I'm going to be in the middle of the ocean in and in on a cruise ship with my boy Chris. Shout out to you, Chris, a Minnesota fan. We're going to be having a blast watching that game. I think it's going to be a great game. 
Justin Jefferson had 184 yards, nine catches against one of the best defenses, defensive backfields in the league. They're the real deal. So watch out for them. Number four, we got to talk about T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt had a phenomenal game. I believe he had, what was it, uh, two sacks, a fumble, an interception. But more importantly, he got hurt. He tore his pack. At least it looked like he tore his pack. He came over to the sideline grabbing his titty, saying, I tore my pack. All reports are saying that he tore his pack. Now, that injury is huge. Injury is huge, and it helps out the rest of the AFC. So even though Steelers got that win first game, big injury right there. And I think that, that, uh, that win is not worth what they lost. We'll see going forward. Number five, let's talk about Khalil Mack. Everybody seemed to forgot about Khalil Mack, except people that actually know sports, that actually listen to podcasts, that actually, actually know players. Khalil Mack showed that he was back the defensive player of the year form. In that division, AFC West, huge. It's huge for the Chargers. And I think his performance, game one, just shows what that defense is capable of. Given that they haven't played together yet, a lot of their players. So watch out for them. Number six, the most important one for a lot of people. Most important for my co-host, my man, Mr. P, Mr. Stoop, Mr. Stoop Rogers. Aaron Rodgers needs help. Clear as day. His wide receivers weren't cutting it. They need to get somebody ASAP. But I will want to remind you guys this. Last year, they got raped. They got absolutely dominated. Week one by the Saints last year. Looked like they did, they did this, this week too. So if anybody's out there going to put things together without getting help, it, it, it's probably Rodgers, but they need help. Number seven, what about the magician, Mr. Patrick Mahomes? How is Mahomes going to perform without Tyreek? I think he answered all them questions I already week one. 30 for 39, 360 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, killed it. Mahomes is the real deal. He reminds you guys all why he's the best quarterback in the NFL. So don't overreact on him because he is the best quarterback in the NFL until he's proven otherwise. Prove me wrong. Number eight, pay fucking Lamar. You guys aren't winning, Ravens fans. Money's money. It's not your money coming out of your pocket, so stop complaining about it. That's just how the market is now with the money. Give him more guaranteed money than what he got offered because he shouldn't be paid less than anybody in the league. I don't care what Deshaun Watson's contract is. That's not Lamar's fault. That's the league's fault. So the Ravens need to pay Lamar because without Lamar, you guys aren't even making a wild card. You guys aren't even going to be a, a top five, top, you're going to be bottom five without Lamar. So, I mean, if you want to go through the whole season watching him perform good and waiting for him to possibly get hurt because the back of his mind, he's, he's worried about, you know, should I run this ball because I might get hurt because I didn't get paid? That's going to affect your season. The guy proves he can throw the ball. So all you people out there that say Lamar can't throw, go back and watch some of the throws that he made in the pocket. Phenomenal. And he's throwing the guys like Bateman and du- du- Duvernay. So pay Lamar, you won't regret it. He's he's a, he's a real deal. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that I thought he was going to be horrible, and I was wrong. He's going to be one of them quarterbacks that actually runs the ball first and can win a Super Bowl. So pay him, get him help, and win. Number nine, we got to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles since, you know, we're a Philadelphia-based podcast. A.J. Brown was that missing piece. But is it going to work long term? That's my question for you guys. 
He got all the targets from Jalen Hurts. Killed it. But we'll see. Number 10, the most important one. Cowboys are already eliminated. They're gone. Honestly, I think that's an overreaction, but I love to say it because Dakota Prescott is out. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what they do. So now let's get into our individual games. I got some stats written down here. Number one, I want to talk about the, the defending AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals. Starting off with the L. Now, I didn't get a lot of picks right last week, but one pick I did get right was Cincinnati not covering the spread and possibly being upset just based on the fact that teams that make it to the Super Bowl and don't win, statistically in the last 20 years, they weren't that good. They were 8-11-1, straight up winning. And when you're going into a division rivalry right here, it's going to be a tough game. What happened to Joe Burrow, man? I thought they got this guy. I thought they, I thought they fixed his line. I thought they fixed his line. He got destroyed. He got destroyed again. Threw four interceptions because the pressure was dominating it. We talking about a Super Bowl hangover here? I don't know, man. Rye, my buddy Ryan, I know you're out there. You went out to Cincinnati and uh, was it worth it? How you feeling today? I know you're feeling worse than a Cowboys fan over there in Cincinnati. Two missed field goals. A missed extra point to win, and then a shanked left kick by Mr. Evan McPherson. Is this the year that Cincinnati falls? They, they go that typical Super Bowl hangover? It's looking that way. It's looking that way. We'll see. But I think they'll be fine. I think, like I said, it was week one, Super Bowl hangover. They'll get their shit together. They got great offense. DeMar Chase might be the best receiver in the league. He's right up there with Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, right there. They're all good. You know, Chase had 10 catches, 129 yards, and every time they needed a, a, a ball, he made two plays at the end. Tip-tap, one of them didn't count, one of them did. Dude's phenomenal. Just throw the ball to him. T. Higgins was hurt. Big game because they had a lot of red zone targets that were dropped, which if T. Higgins was in the game, Cincinnati would have won that game at the end. So everyone's going to be overreacting, saying Cincinnati's done, but put the pieces together on what they missed and understand that they were missing a lot of people. Week one, 16 more games to go. They'll be fine. Let's talk about Pittsburgh a little bit. Pittsburgh needs to work on how to protect their players from injury. We got Najee Harris, hurt foot during all preseason. Gets hurt during the game. Gets hurt. Same foot injury. Stepped on. Honestly, I picked him in fantasy football. But if I was Pittsburgh with that injury, I wouldn't have played in week one. I, I wouldn't have played him. I think it was a stupid move that they played him because he had a Liz Frank injury. For those of you out there that don't know what a Liz Frank injury, it's when the top of your foot, the top flat part of your foot is basically broken. Now imagine putting pressure on that when it's sprained, broken, whatever it is, and going out and playing a football game. You're probably not going to do good. Typically, it's a 6-12 to 12 week injury recovery, and we all know if it's a sprain, we all know what sprained ankles are like. They don't heal. So you're going to have your front of your foot sprained and you're going to come back in three weeks and play a football game against the rivalry, the team that won your division, the team that won the AFC, and uh, expect not some hard hits. He got hurt. But the bigger loss, even though Najee Harris, he hasn't been ruled out yet, but he looks bad, the bigger loss is T.J. Watt. He dominated. He was all over. He was a game changer. He's one of the biggest game changers on the defensive end of the football that I believe I've ever seen. Up there. He's up there. I'm not saying he's the best. He's up there. He changed the game like that. Every single play. You could double team and ran through him. Sack, fumble, pick, everything. 
He had a sack on Burrow where he actually had his left arm stuck on Burrow when he went to the ground, came running over to the sideline, grabbed his chest, said he tore his pec. Early reports are showing that he has a torn pec, but nothing is confirmed yet as of Monday at noon because they need to actually get the MRIs. They need to get the x-rays done to prove it. But as of now, all reports are saying torn pec. Now, if you guys remember, his brother, J.J. Watt, had a torn pec two years ago, his last year in uh, – in Houston, he missed a whole year, came back to the final game. He missed 16 games. So, for the Pittsburgh fans out there, don't be, don't be relishing on that win right now too early because if you guys lost TJ Watt and Najee or one or the other, it's not going to be a good season for you guys. So, my overreaction is all those Pittsburgh fans, don't get too hyped. It's going to be a short-lived win. Next up, we got, we got to talk about Indy and Houston. How is Houston always good week one? They're always good week one. Last year, they put up like 35. This week, they tied 20-20 against the Colts. Unbelievable. They couldn't even really move the ball. They only had 299 yards, and somehow they tied. Now, the reason they tied is this. Indianapolis was two for five in the red zone with a missed field goal on top of that. Matt Ryan looked good. 352 yards. He had 50 attempts which is crazy, which means they had the ball a lot because Jonathan Taylor had 31 carries for 164 yards. So they were moving the ball. They just couldn't score in the red zone. Now, I don't know if that's because they don't have that connection with each other because Matt Ryan's new. But for all of you out there that are counting Indianapolis out because of this, look at the numbers. I think they're going to get their shit together. They're going to score in the red zone. And, hey, a tie is better than a loss, right? They had 517 yards on offense. Their defense only gave up 299 yards. It's actually really good in an NFL game, and they're missing their best player. So I think they'll be fine. I don't think Houston's going to be that good, but Indy will be all right. Now let's talk about another team in their division. The number one team in the AFC last year, the Tennessee Titans, getting upset by the New York Giants, the new coach Giants. Saquon Barkley, phenomenal. 18 carries. 164 yards, 9.1 yards per carry. For those of you that took him in fantasy football, you're feeling really good right now. He's looking real good. If he stays healthy. We're going to knock on wood because we're hoping he stays healthy, even though he's a division guy. I don't think the Giants are going to win too many games, but hey, six wide receivers had a catch. They had two turnovers, and they held, held Derrick Henry to 72 yards. Pretty good start for the Giants. But I don't think they're going to hold that well because they got that guy behind there, Daniel Jones. But Titans, I think it's a telltale sign that the Titans are not that good. They're not. Earlier in the season, I predicted that Ryan Tannehill will lose his job. Uh, I still predict it. I still think it's going to happen. I still think that even though the Colts got a tie, they're still top their division. Because Houston got tied with them. Jacksonville lost. And Tennessee lost. So that division's still wide open. It's still the Colts to take. If they want it, they got tied. They got lucky because if they would have got a loss, it would have been tied everybody down. Now they're a half a game up on other teams. And that main team being Tennessee. So we like it. 
Let's talk about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. 44-21 to 21 against Arizona. Where are my Arizona fans at? Y'all are really missing DeAndre Hopkins, aren't you? I said this earlier. Arizona was the, one of the most overrated teams last year. Kyler Murray should be thankful that he got paid already because that dude sucks. He's a little midget playing football. He should be playing baseball. He ain't that good. He sucks. My man Lou, I know you feel me right now. He sucks. I'm betting against Arizona every game. I didn't expect 44 to 21, but the line went from three to seven and a half. It was expected to be a blowout. But Patrick Mahomes, unbelievable. 30 for 39, 360 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Unbelievable. On top of that, they didn't have a they didn't have a lead rusher really dominate, but they had 128 yards rushing as a team. Last year they couldn't really get 100 yards. I believe they were the last team in the NFL to get a 100-yard rushing game. So if they're going to rush run this running back by committee, they're going to throw the ball a lot out of the backfield. They're going to be tough to beat. They held Kyler Murray to 193 yards, and it's going to be tough. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. I think they're, they're going to miss Tyreek Hill some games, but for the majority of the year, they proved that they don't need him. They don't need him. Juju Smith played good. Valdez Scantlin played good. And you got Travis Kelsey there. You can't guard the guy. Guy's beast. Now let's talk about the Cardinals real quick because without, without DeAndre Hopkins, they got a tough schedule. They play the Raiders, Rams, Carolina, Philly, and Seattle. I'm looking at maybe two wins, Carolina and Seattle. So you're going to be two and four. In that division, when you get your best player back. Good luck, Arizona fans. Salute to you, but you're not making the playoffs this year. You have been eliminated. Bears beat the Niners. Now, I don't know if you guys actually watched that game, but that game was in a torrential downpour, and the, 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 the field was flooded. Legit, they were taking scrapers on the field and pushing the water off because it was three, four feet. Everybody's sitting there saying, Trey Lance is garbage. He sucks. And on the flip side, they're saying, wow, Fields is great. Look at him. He had that, that play where he, he won the game, blah, blah, blah. Don't, have, don't react anything about that game. Seriously, don't react anything about that game. If you watch that game, you'll see that it was literally impossible to do things. Shanahan was calling stupid plays because he kept, you know, he was throwing the football when you couldn't even grip the ball. He couldn't even see anybody. Trey Lance's first game. Everyone's going to want to rip him, say they got Jimmy G, put Jimmy G in. Any quarterback wouldn't have played good that week. It's week one on top of that. It's week one. Relax. One game. They got 16 left. They got that great defense. I get the Bears beat them. But we all know the Bears start off good every year pretty much. They didn't last year, but the year before that, they were almost in the playoffs. They sucked. So we'll see. I don't take much out of that game except the fact that I don't think either team is going to be a playoff team, like a legit playoff team. Now let's talk about Carson motherfucking Wentz. Mm. It hurts me because if he never got hurt in Philly, I always question what would be. I'm never a Carson Wentz hater. I'm not a hardcore Carson Wentz lover. I just realized that the guy is basically, you know, a better version of Kirk Cousins. He could do more than Kirk Cousins, but when the pressure comes, he folds. Yesterday, 27 for 41, 317 yards, 313 yards, excuse me. Four touchdowns, two picks. He only got sacked one time. Quarterback rating of 101. Phenomenal. If you watch that game, he had ups and downs. 
But at the end of the day, he had a game-winning drive. They won. Washington got a scary offense. They're going to be tough. Last year when Wentz was in Indy, he was decent until that big game where he made him lose against Jacksonville and got kicked out of the playoffs. So watch out for Carson Wentz. Watch out for Washington. Uh, I might have to pick him up on fantasy football now because Dakota Prescott got hurt. And I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about it. I think that performance showed he could put up numbers, he can throw the ball, but how long is he going to last? It's Carson Wentz, right? Let's talk about the Cowboys now. What the fuck was that? Listen, guys, I'm, a, I, I'm an Eagles guy. I don't like Cowboys. But I fully expected it to be a shootout and for Cowboys to put up points. That game last night was ridiculous. I'm going to talk about both of them. The two highest scoring football teams from 2021, no touchdown score. Like, what was that? Dak Prescott only had 134 yards. The team total only had 71 yards rushing. Brady only had 212, but Tampa Bay proved that they can run the fucking ball. Uncle Lenny had 127 rushing yards. So the Bucs defense looks absolutely legit. Cowboys are screwed. Dak Prescott at the end of the game fucked his hand up. Looks like he broke his hand. He's going to miss 6 to 12 weeks per early reports. We'll know the, the full extent of that injury soon. But without Dak, Dak Prescott, what are the Cowboys going to do? For real. Like, what are they going to do? Like, people are already questioning them going in with Dak Prescott, saying the offense is different with the wide receivers missing, which, you know, understandable. Now, without Dak Prescott, you got, what, Cooper Rush, the backup? I I mean, I guess you guys should go out there and play for Jimmy, trade for Jimmy. I don't know if he's going to be available. I don't know what the Cowboys do. I really don't. You guys are in trouble. You guys are in trouble. So good luck to Cowboys fans. Uh, I, I feel good good for them in a bad way. Now let's talk about the, the, uh, the Packers. Stoop, Paul, don't overreact. Don't overreact, guys. Aaron Rodgers, like I said, last year got crushed by the Saints through three picks. Didn't throw another interception for, what, 12, 13 weeks? He was 22 for 34, 197 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. Now, I want to highlight that pick real quick. That was the first interception Rodgers has thrown in a conference game since 2018. Four years. Four years he didn't throw an interception in a conference game. That's crazy. But it's week one. Dubes, four receptions, 37 yards. Watson, two for 36. Their leading receiver was A.J. Dillon. A.J. fucking Dillon. Not, not Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. 46 yards was the leading receiver. Now, my re- overreaction is this. As good as Rodgers is, it doesn't matter. You can't assemble a new team, have a whole new offensive roster, and not play a single preseason snap or drive and expect to come out week one against a legit team, a conference team in Minnesota, and expect to put up points, expect to run offense like it's nothing. You didn't know these guys. It's one thing throwing to Devontae Adams, and we saw what happened last year in Green Bay. Didn't go good week one. Then we're fine. I question them, is it going to be fine going forward? Because these guys are all young. They're rookies. They're young. They don't have a number one guy. Rodgers is older, which means he's going to be more impatient than he would be generally. We all know when you get older and, and, and someone does something wrong at work or at the gym, you don't want to be around them quick. We all know. Look at, look at Tom Brady. When a, guy, a young guy misses a, a, a catch, they don't come back until like week 12. 
So how is Aaron Rodgers going to react and overplay with these guys? How's it going to go? It's it's going to be tough. Now I question them because not because of Rodgers really, but because of Rodgers' age, his patience level, and the actual skill level that these guys fit into the the Rodgers' offensive scheme. I think we're going to see a completely different uh, Aaron Rodgers going forward. I think we're going to see more of a Patrick Mahomes one. We're going to see a lot of dump offs. We're going to see A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time. I really do think that's how they win. You need to do that because you need to, need to confuse whether you're going to run or pass. So we'll see. I do say they should go out and get a trade. Maybe uh, trade for a, a Tyler Lockett from Seattle because uh, I don't believe D.K. Metcalf is going to be available. But I would, I would go out there and try to get a Lockett who's, I believe, locked up for three more years, which would close out Rodgers' contract as well. He's a deep threat guy. He's a good guy. He's not as good as Devontae Adams, but he's a good guy, good player. I would go out and trade him. Um, hell, you guys might as well even go try and get uh, some free agents out there that are that are available. You got a couple of them. But good luck, Packers Nation. I think it'll be okay. But uh, it might take a few weeks. We'll see. Because uh, I don't know you play next week, but I know week three you play at Tampa. So uh, you better win this week. You better win week two because you go to Tampa with that defense, not having that offense potent figured out, good luck. Let's talk about Cleveland real quick. Jacoby Brissett, decent game. You know, he didn't didn't do a lot, didn't do enough to lose the game, but didn't really do enough to win the game, yet somehow he had a game-winning drive to kick a field goal to win the game. I guess Carolina, but they're 1-0. They're 1-0. Let's see how, how they can go without, uh, without uh, Watson there. If they can maintain a decent record in that division, which is already the number one team, is 0-1. Steelers are hurt, and they're 1-0 as well. They got a shot. It's a good start. We'll see. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a ruthless division. Now let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Lastly, we're gonna talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, 18 for 32, 243 yards, no touchdowns. No interceptions. 17 carries, 90 yards, one touchdown. If you watch the game, you would see he only did two things. One, the offensive line was supposed to be the best offensive line in football, yet Lane Johnson got his ass whooped by a rookie. Guy's good, though. The dude, Hendrickson or Hodgson, is a beast. That line looked skeptical. They looked lost. They looked like... They didn't really know what to do against that defensive line. Now, is that because that, that hard knocks effect where the lines are actually really good and nobody knows? I don't know. But we, we saw two things for the Eagles, which is very very good for the first game, but it's very skeptical for me going forward. A lot of people are like, wow, A.J. Brown, 10 receptions, 155 yards, just throw the ball to him. Their other guy, Devonta Smith, had zero targets. Didn't even get targeted. So if you're going to play that type of offense going forward against good teams that are good defensive teams, because you, you think you're going to win the division, you're going to have to worry about the playoffs, and you only target one guy, and you don't look the other way for guys and you just roll out or throw it deep to Brown, you ain't going to move the ball against these good teams. The Lions, yeah, because the Lions are not a good defensive team. So you can do that. But I question it. it like, A.J. Brown's a beast. Goddard was open, three receptions, 60 yards. 
But I really question how Devontae Smith did not get a target. How did not get looked at? Um, A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts are supposed to be really good friends, work out together, train together. If Jalen Hurts is only going to look towards him, he's not going to make it all year because he proved that he can't throw the ball deep accurately and he can't read defenses. And it proved it right there. But one thing I do like about the Philly team is that they ran the ball. Miles Sanders had 13 carries for 90 yards as well and a touchdown. First touchdown in two years. So if they can run the ball, might be a little bit better. Defense, though. What the fuck? 181 rushing yards allowed to Detroit. 35 points allowed to Detroit. 14 unanswered points in the fourth to let them come back. If you guys do that against a legit team that actually is a playoff team that knows how to win, we're not going to win win games because Detroit is a game that we should win, and we are up by 10, 12, 14 points. Should have held it out, especially with all these new signings that we had. But if you're going to do that against legit teams, you're not going to be good. So Philly fans, relax. It's a great win, but I don't like the way we won. We had a lot of changes. So we'll see going forward. And that's all I got for you guys on my, my overreaction Monday. I don't have a lot, of, a lot more to talk about because I don't want to keep going for an hour. So we'll catch you all next week. Enjoy the rest of the games for this week. And we'll be back to talk about our players of the week, our defensive player, offensive player of the week, and our picks for next week. So peace out, y'all. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy football season. And we'll be here with you. So deep, man. So much history, pageantry. One week closer to kickoff. That's the way we answer. It starts with culture. Uh, it's a mentality. It's a way of life. It's a DNA. In college football free agency transfer portal. This is madness. Georgia has an opportunity to repeat. You have to have toughness. This is the best atmosphere. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Stoop Life Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about college football. So if you guys aren't really interested in college football, well, then this might not be the episode for you. But if you are interested in college football, and more importantly, if you're interested in making money, then this episode is for you. Today, we're going to be talking about week three in college football. We're going to be talking about picks against spread, over-unders, and locks of the week. Third week, which means we had a lot of picks. A lot of picks going on so far. So, for the year, we are overall 29 and 14. Now, that's about picking like 16 to 18 games per week. That's not just picking one or two, obviously. We're picking a lot. We're, we're picking a lot because we want to give you guys a lot of opportunity on games that we like that you can choose from 
for parlays, for, for single bets, to make money. So if you bet our, our, ours at 29 and 14, you're winning money, a lot of money. Last week, we went 12 and 8, which I wasn't very happy with, but I will say this. I am happy with it because I said last week was the hardest week in college football, and I thought I was going to go the opposite. I thought I was going to go 8 and 12. So we went 12 and 8, good game. Um, overall for the year, we're 20 and 8 against the spread. And we're 9-6 and six on the over and unders. Now, I want to point out something there about the over and unders because 9-6 and six doesn't sound that good, but we were 3-5 and five last week on the over and unders, which was crazy. But we all know how hard last week's games were. A lot of upsets. A lot of things happened that shouldn't happen. That's why I always said week two in college football is the hardest week in sports. Last week, we went 9-3 and three against the spread. Pretty damn fucking good. If you guys have to ask me, 9-3 is pretty damn fucking good. If you guys know anything about it, it's pretty good. So, let's start with this week. We got we got a slate of plays. And I'm not going to bullshit. I'm actually pretty confident in a lot of my picks here. That's why I picked a lot here. So, we're going to start with the 12 o'clock games. And we're going to give you guys my first lock of the week. We're going to go with number 6, Oklahoma at Nebraska. Number six, Oklahoma is one of them teams that absolutely looks phenomenal. And give me a sec. All right, sorry for that. We're back. But number one, 12 p.m., lock of the week. We like number six, Oklahoma at Nebraska. And we're taking Oklahoma minus 11. The reason we're taking it is because, number one, we believe that's a low line. And we believe it's a low line because Nebraska just fired their coach. But let's be real. They're a terrible football team. Absolutely horrible football team. 31 points per game allowed. I get they fired their coach. They might come out playing to prove something. But let's be honest. This isn't a good team to go against after you fire your coach to show that you are actually good. Because Oklahoma's ranked number six. They're one of them teams that's going to have to win every year to make it to the top, to make sure everybody knows that they have a chance to win college football playoffs. So we're taking... First lock, number six, Oklahoma, minus 11. Put it in. We're going to stick with 12 o'clock games. We're going to give you guys number one, Georgia, minus 24 at South Carolina. Now, a lot of you are probably like, oh, wow, you think they're going to cover that. Last week, none of the 20-point favorites that we took covered. I think Georgia is going to make a point to show that they're not like those other teams, that they're number one for a reason, and they're going to dominate an SEC foe and just run over them. Their points this year so far, 41 points per game scored, 1.5 points allowed. And remember, they played Oregon. So keep that in mind. South Carolina, they're very one-dimensional. They lost to Arkansas 44-30. to They're one-dimensional football team. They can't run the ball. Georgia already is the best run team in college football. So now they just got to do what they do and stop your pass. Good luck. Georgia's going to roll them through the water. They're going to go 3-0. Remind everybody yet again why they're ranked number one. So take Georgia minus 24. If you can get at 23.5, lock that in as well. Another game I like, we're going to go to the over. We're going to go Michigan at home versus UConn. I would take Michigan with the points, but it's like 45. 
I don't like to do them 45-point spreads, even though we're 1-0 with them this year. We're going to go over 59.5. Now, I like this because so far this year, Michigan has scored by themselves 56 points and 51 points. Both of their games have went over 59. Connecticut has allowed 48 points already this year. So Michigan's probably going to score 50-plus. They might score a touchdown or two. So I, I think it's going to be a 55-10 to 10 game. So you're looking at 65. You're looking at over. Might even be more than that. I feel like Michigan's also one of them teams that has to dominate their opponents. They're ranked number four. They want to remain number four. They want to actually look like they're better than Ohio State. So I feel like Michigan's going to run the board. They're going to cover that spread. It's going to be Michigan over 59 and a half. Put that game in. Now our fourth pick of the day. We got a 2 p.m. game. So we're going to get a 2 p.m. game. I like another over. I took them twice. Once this year. I didn't take them last week because I wasn't certain yet. But work on UCLA at home versus South Alabama. Now UCLA is a team that likes to score the ball. They score 45 points per game. Yeah, I haven't played really anybody good yet. South Alabama is also scoring 43 points per game. So we've got two teams that like to throw the ball, two teams that like to put points up, two teams that don't really got a defense. So we're going to go with this game to go over 59 because we're going to see a lot of balls going deep in the California air. So UCLA versus South Alabama over 59. Lock that one in. Pick number five, we got our second lock of the week. We got Mississippi at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has looked absolutely awful so far. Awful. They're 1-1, one one, but they look awful. They're 0-2 against the spread. Their points are 22-29 to 29 allowed, are scored and allowed. And Ole Miss, the SEC team, SEC powerhouse, that's looking to prove that they're still good, even though they lost their quarterback from last year. So we like Ole Miss to cover 15.5 points. They're going to lock it in. They're 2-0 against the spread. Other teams 0-2 against the spread. SEC, ACC, we're going to take the SEC powerhouse here. I feel like Ole Miss rolls. I feel like Ole Miss is going to be up the leaderboards this year, this week. They're going to move up their rankings. So lock of the week, number two, Ole Miss minus 15.5 at Georgia Tech. We're going to, we're going to move on to the 3 o'clock games. We got our, one of our upsets of the week. A lot of you might not agree with this pick, so be weary of it. But I like it. Last week, everyone told me, don't take this team. They're not going to win. What'd they do? They fucking won. I'm undefeated in taking them this year. Dating back to last year, I'm 14-1. and one. They lost one time against the spread when I took them. That's it. So we like them again. This time, they're the dog. Probably because they're on the road. We got number 12 BYU going to number 25 Oregon. Now, I like BYU getting three and a half here. I feel like that's the play. Plus three and a half here. But Oregon hasn't looked that good yet. I get they played Georgia, then they played a shitty team. But BYU's look great. They beat Baylor last week. They can, they can move the ball when needed, and they can stop you when needed. Has Oregon proved that yet? We don't know. We don't know yet. But I know something about BYU. BYU is legit. So the fact that I, uh, BYU is the underdog here, I like it. They're 2-0 against the spread. They only, they only gave up 20 points against a high-powered Baylor offense. And Oregon allowed 31 points a game. They got slaughtered by, by Georgia already. 
it's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a huge game because it's going to it's going to be very important for that conference. It's going to be important for both of those teams. So we're taking BYU plus three and a half, and we're also taking BYU with the money line at plus one forty five. So lock that in as an underdog. We love that play. We're riding the BYU train until they tell us otherwise, until they lose. But as of now, they're still on our list. Take BYU plus the points, plus the money line. Put it in. Three thirty game. We got another over I like. I like this game because every single time that they play, they go over. I don't like the spread, but I like the over. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a 31 to 30 point game like it has been the last three years. Now I'm talking about Auburn and Penn State. I think this game is going to go over 47. I remember last year it was 46 and a half, I believe, and I went under. And the game went way over. It went like 70. I think it's going to do the same thing this year. I think it's going to be the same thing this year. Uh, two teams that are good on defense, going to slow start, and then the second half is going to be fireworks, exactly like it was last week. I like this game to be Auburn-Penn State over 47. I love it. Put that one in. Pick number nine, we're going to go to the 4 o'clock games. We're going to go with another over. I also like this one. We got number one Alabama at ULM over 59 and a half. Now, I like this game a lot because of a couple of reasons. Number one, they, Alabama almost lost last week. They won by one. Number two, they got dropped down the rankings. If you go back in history and you look at any time Alabama has either lost or barely won and dropped down in standings, the following week they absolutely blew the team out. So, as I said week one, I took Alabama over. I was wrong last week, but prove me wrong again. I'm going to take my odds here. I'm going to Alabama games to go over 59 and a half. Because I think Nick Saban's going to come out and electrify everybody and remind them who the fuck they are and say last week was a fluke. So I like that game to go over. Now, pick 10 going to a 5 p.m. game. A weird slot, weird time. But I got another lock. My third lock of the week. We got number 19, Wake Forest, at home versus a 2-0 Liberty team. Now, if you remember last week, I said the line started at 6.5 for Wake Forest, went up to 13.5. They won by 20. They were a 13.5-point favorite on the road and won by 20 against a 2-0 team. They were 2-0 Vanderbilt. Liberty's 2-0 as well, but coming in to Wake Forest. The quarterback, Scott Hartman, last week, 300 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Game one back. They won by 20 on the road. Liberty. Beat UAB by seven. And they beat USLM by four in four overtimes. You think they're going to be able to keep up with this team, Wake Forest? I think they're one of the most undervalued teams in college football right now. So we're going to go with my lock of the week. Number 19, Wake Forest, minus 16 and a half at home versus Liberty. Lock that one in. You'll feel safe betting it. My 11th pick, we're going to go to the 7.30 game. So we got some time in between. 7.30 games. I got this as another lock of the week. I feel like this might be the safest bet of the week, to be honest. I, I saw this line. I was like, I was dumped out. I was shocked because I don't know how, how it's going to, not going to cover. We got, we got at, the, at the 3.30 games, we got Nevada at Iowa. We all know Iowa last week got upset. 
I picked against them. I was right. This week, Nevada is getting 23 points at Iowa. Nevada's 2-1. They score like 40 points a game. Iowa doesn't score. They don't allow points. I don't see it being high scoring, but Iowa lost 10-7 to last week, and they won week one against a trashy-ass Division one AA team, 7-3. to So we got two plays for you this week, and I feel like if you parlay them together, they're a lock. We got Nevada plus 23. How are they not going to cover that when Iowa can't even score? They might have the worst offense in Division one A. They're not going to even score 23 points. It might be a 10-3 game again. You're getting 23 points by a team that has scored 14 points total this year. I love that bet. I love it. So I'm taking Nevada plus 23, and I'm also taking the under 40 in that game. I don't like betting unders, but Iowa, same as last year, we're betting under until they lose. So I like that parlay, Nevada plus 23, under 40. I like them both solo. I like them parlayed. I feel like it's a lock. I feel like it's a lock of the week. I love this pick. Lock that game in. Pick number 13. We have another one that scratched my head. So for those of you out there that like underdogs, I say you like this pick. But beware of this pick because it scratched my head. I couldn't find any information on why this line was like this. We got number 11, Michigan State at Washington. Michigan State's undefeated. They're ranked number 11. They've steamrolled everybody so far. But somehow, Michigan State's getting three and a half points. The money line on them is plus 143. They've won 52 to nothing, 35 to 13, and they have basically the same exact team as last year that beat a top 10 ACC champion, Pittsburgh, 31 to 21 in a bowl game. What has Washington done in the last five years? What, because they're at home? It's a West Coast game? Who cares? Michigan State? They don't care. They got new coats. They take the, the, that run game there. I like the play there. I like Michigan State plus three and a half. And I also like Michigan State money line plus 143. Lock that game in. I feel safe with that. We're going to jump up now to our 15th pick, 9 p.m. games. We got the late night games. I actually love these late night games. If you want to just parlay the late night games together, go for it because I actually will. We got, we got a, one of my plays. We got number 13 Miami at Texas A&M. Now, if you guys can go on DraftKings or PointsBet, you can get this line at 7.5. Texas A&M lost last week to Appalachian State. Miami won. They're 2-0. Huge game. Huge game for both teams. But if you're going to take the points here, I love Miami at plus 7.5 here. I absolutely love it. 5.5, 6.5, 7.5, I love it. I feel like it's going to be a closer game, and I feel like it's going to be a great game. Miami plus 7.5, the play. I also love Miami to win that game. I'm not going to tell you to bet that. I'm not 100% in that because Miami's my squad. But I feel like they're better. I feel like they're better than Texas A&M. I feel like Texas A&M was very overlooked, saying everybody thought they were better than they actually are. But I like Miami plus 7.5, and and I like them to win the game outright. So I got three dogs I'm taking here that I like, that are higher-ranked teams that that are on the road that I think are going to win. So... I like it. I like them. But I love the over in this game as well. I, I, I would play the over and the points. So we got Texas a and Miami over 47. Now both teams score more than that every game. Except last week Texas A&M didn't. But 
47 is a close game. Coming off of a, a, a weak game last week, I feel like the game's all gone over. So I like Miami plus 7.5, Miami, money line plus 180, and over 47. We got two more plays for you guys. Both of them are locks. 100% certain in these teams covering. We got at 10 p.m., we got number 14 Utah at home versus San Diego State. A lot of people are writing Utah off because they lost week one. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They played at Florida. The Swamp is a hard game to win. They won 33 straight home openers. Okay, Utah's good. They shouldn't have dropped all the way to fuck down. Number 14, they're going to they're gonna prove why they're better than number 14 this week. They play San Diego State, and they're going to absolutely annihilate them. San Diego State gave up 38 points to Arizona, a team that won, what, three games in the last four years? Last year, Utah went on the route after they lost. They won 11 or 12 games straight. I got Utah minus 21, covering that game easily. I think they're going to put up 60 against them again. This is going to be a 60 to 10 game. They're going to kill them. Feel confident putting that game in. Go to sleep, wake up, money in your bank. My final play of the week, another lock. We're going to ride this bus until it falls off. We got number seven USC at home versus Fresno State. Now, last week they, they were at Stanford. They covered. A lot of you were worried at the end there, but they put up points. Lincoln Riley puts up points. Caleb Williams, the quarterback, stud. Absolute stud. They're going to win by a touchdown or more here. Easily. Fresno State last year was good. This year, they, they can't stop anybody. If USC's defense shows up even a little bit, it's a double-digit win easily. So we're rocking USC minus six and a half. Safe bet. Lock of the week. So do that late-night parlay. Utah, USC, both covering. Lock them in. So there's my place for the game for the day. Lock them in and go win some money. Peace out, everybody. Good luck this week. <laughs>